Everybody that's all uh, man horn. This is Benjamin Wednesday. This is Jerry, co driver of the Jeff Monster Truck. This is David Smith with King Crunch. Hey, this is Darren Basil. Hey, this is Mark Shreya, the driver of the Devastator Monster Truck. Gary Shunt, Jr. Hey, this is Barry Moose and you're listening to allmonster.com Beyond the Land. A picture or a video may be worth a thousand words, but sometimes bigger stories not always told. We are a program dedicated to telling you those stories analysts and opinions from those that go beyond the lens. We are allmonster.com beyond the lens. Hello and welcome to allmonster.com's Beyond the Lens. This week we got a ton of stuff going on in the monster truck world. Ratu Motorsports had their first testing session with the Stinger truck. Derby UK is coming up. Going to be an interesting United Kingdom show for the Monster Jam Tour. Joe Sylvester's world record jump has become officially a world record, a new Bigfoot DVD, and we have a little preview of some stuff to come on the website. Joining me this week to discuss all these topics is Ed Horman from O'Fallon, Missouri, near the home of Bigfoot, as well as Dustin Hart from Nags Head, North Carolina, near the home of Gravedigger. And guys, it's another awesome week in the world of monster trucks. We're real excited about it. Our new monster truck client, Ratu Motorsports, you can check them out at RatuMotorsports.com is finally getting going with their Stinger truck. And they are all set to debut in Springport, Michigan on June 4th. Had a great first testing session, and uh, I was able to catch up with Zane and get his thoughts on how his first run in a monster truck went. So uh, how did things go for the first testing session there, Zane? Uh, I mean, it was, it was freaking you know, more exciting than I ever thought it would be. I mean, obviously most, most kids already just you know, grow up you know, wanting to drive. I've had the, you know, privilege of, I guess, putting our own truck together, our own team. And, uh, you know, I've been looking forward to it ever since we, you know, started kicking the idea around about building our own truck. And, uh, but man, I woke up this morning nervous as can be, and I don't really know if it was, I was nervous because, you know, I'd never driven before, you know, I didn't know what to expect, or, you know, and we built everything on the truck, so I guess we were just hoping everything would hold up, and, I, I talked to, you know, Zimmer and, you know, a few other drivers, uh, Paul Strong, and, uh, you know, I got that first, you know, the first hit underneath my belt this morning, and after that, all the butterflies went away, and, you know, I relaxed some, and I just started having fun, you know, and we made, uh, you know, probably about a dozen hits, uh, you know, just out in the yard, had some cars out there, and uh, just sort of taking it easy at first, and then we, you know, checked everything over. Uh, you know, I regrouped, calmed down a bit, and cleared my head. We adjusted the shocks and the uh, pills in the engine some, and uh, went out. This time I only got about three, three or four hits, and this time I you know, started clearing the cars and, you know, sort of landing, you know, out past them, and then, you know, finally ended up pogoing it, and uh, fortunately ripped my sway bar arms up and, uh, you know, bent a, t- uh, a steering cylinder. So a couple hundred dollars worth of damage, but uh, it was a huge step in the right direction. I mean, we're all pretty happy with how the, how the tests went out for the first day. Definitely. Sometimes it doesn't go that well. Things have to be put together in order, all that sort of thing, and uh, great to get the butterflies out. So what is, where does everything go from here for the people that don't know? What's coming up next for you? Well, obviously, thankfully, we got, you know, um, you know, you and Dustin and Ed, um, you know, doing our website. We're really looking forward to that. Um, we got... Randy Barton, uh, who built our chassis for us, uh, took on the daunting task of uh, rebuilding the Stinger mold, and uh, we're going to pick that up this week. Uh, 
graphics pack, package from Steel Skins Graphics. And uh, hopefully, I would say hopefully by next weekend, uh, the tail should be mounted, the body should be mounted, everything should be painted, and the vinyl wrap installed. Excellent. And then uh, shortly after that, I guess it'd be the following Wednesday, uh, we're loading everything up and set sailing for our first show uh, at Springport Speedway in uh, Springport, Michigan. To kick off a pretty busy summer summer schedule we got lined up. Excellent, good deal. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. I want to thank you for taking your time to be on Beyond the Lens, and good luck to you, Zane. All right, thanks, Robbie. So, guys, definitely great to see somebody that's been, you know, dreaming of this day for all of his life get his shot in a monster truck, and uh, the Stinger operation's looking very promising. You can check the pictures out, as I mentioned before, over to motorsports.com. Uh, they're going to have some videos up for us pretty soon as well, and uh, looking pretty promising so far for the Stinger team. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah, Zane's operation is starting to show a lot of promise. You know, uh, the Stinger truck, you know, is going to be a unique identity, bringing back the old Scorpion body style. We saw the foot team run back in the 90s. The whole Ritu family has been behind this. You've got, you know, Lindsay working in the office and doing a lot, putting in a lot of hard work and time. And even CJ is helping out around the shop with Zane's son. So, uh, Looking forward to good things coming from uh, Ritu Motorsports. I absolutely agree with Robbie and Dustin on this. You know, I actually got a chance to talk to Zane and, uh, after Robbie did that interview, and the excitement that I heard from him was just awesome to see. Uh, like Dustin hit on the you know the ha- family atmosphere he has there with his mom, uh, his <clears throat> his wife, his son, and you know seeing his son out there helping him, you know, back the truck up into the. Uh, garage and everything like that is pretty awesome to see so it's going to be awesome to see what's coming from him and from his uh promotion monster uh, events llc yeah you bring up the promotion and that's another thing that i was going to touch on ed they've got a lot of things going on not only with the truck you can always check the schedule page out on the site but they've also got their own promotion starting up at the same time and uh it's a lot to be put on only a few people's heads but uh zane's excited about it you know that's the key He's excited, he's motivated, and uh, I'm interested to see what this summer will bring for him because he is going to be one busy dude between promoting shows, putting on shows, as well as driving his Stinger truck at the shows. And you might see some expansion of that team pretty soon as well, so stay tuned for that. Now, we're moving on to Derby UK, United Kingdom show. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is one of the first times they're coming out this way. Uh, That would be Monster Jam. And we've got a great lineup of trucks there. Very interesting to see some of the names that are going to be overseas getting some seat time. I had an opportunity to talk to uh, the Monster Jam co-rookie of the year, Bari Musauer, and he will be behind the wheel of El Toro Loco there getting some stadium seat time. And uh, that's always great. Two-day show, a couple of uh, shows there. And I'm very interested to see what this young crop of drivers is doing overseas. Uh, mixed in with some veterans, of course, Charlie Pawkin, Tom Mintz are going to be there. But also Dustin Brown, and uh, we were going to touch on him and Bari as well here. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dustin Brown getting another shot behind the wheel of the Monster Mutt machine? You know, Robbie, that was one thing that I was going to uh, actually mention was Dustin Brown and uh, you know Dustin and Bari both being there and both getting the experience. Uh, you know, Bari from the first quarter going in now, but um, Dustin Brown and all the different trucks that he's been driving uh this you know all the trucks that he's had to drive the backwards bobs the monster mutts and we're not exactly sure which truck he's driving here but uh you know what some of the difficulties he's had from seeing out of each truck is is kind of interesting and they just kind of throw him in any truck and he adapts to it really quickly and I'm really going to be kind of excited to see what he does here in the United Kingdom 
Yeah, Dustin Brown's had you know some interesting things you know come up and come up his way whenever the the opportunity has arisen for him to drive. You know, he wasn't supposed to drive in Arnhem, but you know, fortunately, George Balhan suffered an injury, couldn't continue on that weekend. So all of a sudden, you know, he's tossed into the truck. And then over the over the winter, you know, Dustin Brown wasn't supposed to be driving in Pittsburgh. That was supposed to be Dana Creech, but something came up there, and all of a sudden, Dustin Brown goes from being in St. Louis on one one day. To Pittsburgh the next and so you know he's bounced he's been bounced around a little bit the only truck he had any time to really prepare for in driving was Monster Mutt Rottweiler recently in Raleigh and he did a fantastic job in Raleigh I was really taken back at just how comfortable Dustin Brown looked behind the wheel of that truck perhaps being used to the uh the Monster Mutt body style and having limited visibility possibly helped you know he's got a little bit of experience with that style body but it was also the first time he's driven one of the CRD chassis. And he seemed extremely comfortable, and he absolutely loved the way that truck handled for him. He did a great job putting that truck around on a small floor. And, you know, he looked like a veteran out there. You had no idea that Dustin Brown was a rookie behind the wheel. Perhaps all of his time working on those trucks and wrenching on them, he's learned a few things. But you know, he seemed like a natural fit in that truck. And I'm excited to see that, you know, if he ends up in the Rottweiler for this weekend, then. You know, I think he can do great things. Uh, he shouldn't have any trouble at all adapting to that truck. He seems really comfortable with it. He likes that truck. It seems to handle well for him. So him on a big stadium environment, I'm excited. I want to see what Dustin Brown can do. That's uh, definitely an interesting point, too. You brought up about working on them and then going and driving them. Every driver that I've spoken with that has worked on a truck and been a crew chief and done any sort of wrenching on a truck before they have stepped into a sea of a truck, has always told me, if you work on them, you will understand what the truck is capable of. You will have a leg up over the people that haven't worked on them before. If, for example, something is going wrong in the truck and you feel a funny vibration, you may know where that vibration is coming from. You may be able to sort of problem, problem solve, troubleshoot in your head what the capabilities of the, of a broken truck are, what the capabilities of the truck currently, no matter what the situation, are. It's a good thing, and I'm definitely in agreement with you on the fact that Dustin is going to have a leg up over some of the other people that are rookies and have not had the opportunity to wrench. He understands the truck head-to-toe better than almost anybody in this industry, and I'm excited to see him drive on a big floor, too. He's been thrown into some awkward, difficult situations low visibility situations, both literally and figuratively. So definitely interested to see what the Monster Mutt Rottweiler can do with Dustin Brown behind the wheel. Yeah, and you brought up an interesting point in you know, him being a crew chief and knowing what's going to happen inside of a truck. Ran into a situation in Raleigh where during the final round, in, his, in, the, first at, uh, in the first show on Saturday afternoon, Dustin Brown had the rear steer lock up after the truck landed. And strangely enough, while doing his interview with Greg Whitaker, the Monster Jam announcer, he noticed what was laying on the floor, what had come off the back of the truck, went over and picked it up, handed it to Opie and said, all right, that's what we got to fix in between rounds. He felt it, knew what was up, looked for it, found it, and then fixed it and went on and have a great freestyle run. So I mean, he knows what's going on and it, he seems like he's got at least, you know, an, a good feeling as to what's going on with that truck as he's driving it. And another one of the interesting faces that we've seen uh, all over the place the last couple of years since he's hopped into that Ironman truck has been Lee O'Donnell. He'll be overseas there at Derby, and uh, I'm interested to see what he's going to do 
his progression each year with the more seat time that he's gotten, the higher he's risen in the ranks of Monster Jam. He had another great freestyle at the World Finals, making it two in a row for him in his first two appearances. Has taken to full-time, if you will, monster trucking very nicely. And I'm interested to see what Leo Donald will do behind the wheel of Ironman in Europe. Yeah, Leo Donald has quickly become one of the most well-rounded drivers in this sport. I I see great things for Leo Donald's future. Uh, we look back at most recently at the World Finals. Absolutely stellar freestyle run. I feel like should have been one of the uh, should have been scored higher, and I think it was one of the best freestyle runs we saw all weekend in Vegas. Um, Lee's got a ton of driving talent, whether it be in a monster truck or in a pro light or whatever venture he's jumped into in the past. So I really, I always am interested to see what Leo Donald is going to be able to do. He's just such a great talent behind the wheel of a monster truck. Definitely, and it's about seat time. Whether you know whether you're an experienced veteran that's been in the sport for for years, like Charlie Pock and Tom Mintz, or whether you're a newer guy like a like a Dustin Brown or a Barry Moose Sauer, or you're in between like Leo Donald. Uh, you know, seat time is seat time, and the biggest thing that I see being a positive for all of these drivers, no matter what the skill level and experience level, uh, there is no substitute for seat time in a big stadium. That prepares them for the first quarter. That's why I believe that the, the talent level and the, the parity in the sport is at an all-time high is because of these Europe shows, these overseas shows. Now, instead of maybe your only, only chance to be on a big floor during the summer, it, you know, being at a Stafford or a West Lebanon or, or a place like that, now you can go overseas and you're in huge stadiums. You're in Arnhem Holland, you're in Derby, you're, you're all over the place and multiple days. It's hard on equipment, it's hard on crew. Sorry, guys, but as far as drivers go, that's some great seat time. That is invaluable. All right, now we're going to switch gears a little bit, and a news item that came down the pipe to us from Ed Horman was that Joe Sylvester's world record long jump in a monster truck has officially become just that, a world record, verified by Guinness, and everything is said. Joe Sylvester has the current monster truck world long jump record. Ed, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, actually, I was uh, reading up on uh, checking Facebook, and I happened to see uh, Joe had posted that the uh, record was uh, finalized this week by the Guinness uh, people, and uh, he did get the record, so the end of that controversy, if he had got it, how they measured it, and so on and so forth. Congratulations, Joe and crew. It definitely went a lot of hard work into that. Uh, you know, the, we've all seen the first hit, the first attempt he did, and... Uh, the practice and where he, uh, you know, rolled that truck in pretty violently. We weren't all sure if he was actually going to be able to do the attempt. But, you know, the one thing that I'm kind of wondering is is if anybody else is actually going to try this, who else might try it? Um, and I, I don't see this record standing for much longer. I see someone else trying to go for it. <laughs> Definitely an interesting point. That was going to be what I hit on and, and wanted to bring everybody in on this for a little discussion. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah, kudos to Joe Sylvester. Anytime that you try that hard and, uh, you know, persistence pays, you know, there was some perseverance there for sure. Uh, definitely congratulations on, uh, you know, running as hard as you can and, and not letting weather get in the way of things like that. Um, regardless of what you think of the record, regardless of what you think of how it was done, it was done. Uh, now, though, we're coming into a, an era where there are multiple people out there that, that want to try this stuff. And I think that, eventually you're going to have people competing for this in a competition similar to what we saw back in the day. Uh, 
help me out on this a little bit, but there was a there was a Speedway event that was like a pay per view event, and uh, you know we we saw Grave Digger, we saw Barefoot, we saw a bunch of trucks doing a long jump competition for a prize on television. I think it would make for for interesting stuff. I think we've been trying to sort of move away from that for a while and and you know offer up a little bit of legitimacy in the sport as far as point series and things like that have been trying to be started so there's a lot of different ways we can take this uh i think overall anything that that is publicity for the sport is a good thing you saw with ryan anderson in vegas uh he did the backflip in the monster truck in at, at vegas and that absolutely went viral all over the place with with the social media on on ESPN, uh, we saw that all over the place. And I think if somebody publicized a long jump enough and really really had good conditions and, and did something extra cool with it, um, you know, you could see something like that happen again. What are your guys' thoughts on the whole long jump thing? Well, I mean, you bring up an interesting point with how this was something that was chased regularly, you know, throughout the mid '90s into the early 2000s before. Uh, you know, Dan Ronte went out and set the record at 202 feet. You know, we saw the event at Heartland Park in Topeka, Kansas that you referred to earlier where Barefoot and Fred Schaefer's jump withheld the test of time for quite a while. I think what kind of maybe steered everyone away from maybe going after this record even more was just how brutal of an impact Bigfoot took whenever Dan Ronte made that jump in 1999. Uh, you know, we saw just how hard that truck hit and how high that truck landed i think a lot of us were kind of sitting back and saying well how do you beat that because it was just it was a really really harsh impact we saw a lot of breakage take place on that truck and uh you know it was it was just a really tough impact and so everybody was kind of like well where do we go from here and i think with what joe did over uh in last september now that it's a fair joe attacked it and went at it differently especially after his first practice attempt with that horrific crash you know, when you actually see the footage of the record-breaking jump, it's not nearly as a dramatic of an image, I guess you would expect, in comparison to what we saw from the Bigfoot attempts over years ago. You know, the the jump was a lot more of a... Uh, it, was, it was done, I guess, you know, realistically. You, you know, when you're going after a jump like that, you don't want to make it, you know, a high-arcing, spectacular, you know, massive air leap. You kind of just want to be able to get from point A to point B and do it as safely as possible. And so the truck, you know, was fairly, it wasn't too high over the ground. It was kind of a, you know, a high speed, you know, just long jump. It wasn't necessarily having to get a whole lot of height and clear an airplane or anything like that we saw with Bigfoot. So, you know, perhaps maybe that'll change how people attack this jump and say, hey, you know, we don't have to get 45, 50 foot of air in order to, you know, clear this distance. You only have to go, you know, but so high, it's more or less a speed that's a factor. Plus, Joe used the landing ramp, which some people have said, well, you know, that's not the same thing as what Foot did. But, I mean, if you're getting from point A to point B and that's all you're concerned about, Joe did it the best way he possibly could. And, uh, you know, he didn't have to tear up a whole bunch of equipment. You know, on his record jump, he tore up a bunch of equipment in practice. But, um, you know, maybe we'll see some guys go after this. I know there's some interest out there. I mean, when I talked with Adam Anderson a couple weeks after that had taken place, and we were watching King Sling at Dennis Anderson's North versus South event. You know, Dennis jumped King Sling, I would say, probably close to 150 foot. Um, one of the jump that wasn't even really specified to be a long jump kind of thing or whatever. It was just an average jump out there, and he nearly jumped 150 feet or so. Um, these trucks are capable of flying, and I think if you have them set up right, 
I think the distance of 208 feet, which we're sitting at now, I think is very much achievable. Exactly, Dustin. And, and, you know, a lot of people forget Tom Mintz did an attempt, too, and his came up real short and uh, things like that. And the the one point that I liked about yours is you talked about landing that Dan took from that jump. And what a lot of people don't realize is Dan really wasn't going for a long jump record at that time. He was just trying to go over it as a stunt to jump the, the uh, plane, and then he ended up getting the uh, distance because he got a little excited and, and mad at it. And uh, went as far as he did. And, I mean, there's people, as you said, saying that the ramp that Joe used compared to Dan is like comparing a speed bump to an actual physical ramp. But that's here no here is as the actual record is just the longest distance jump in a monster truck. And, uh, you know, it is going to be interesting to see if people from different organizations, you know, anybody from Feld's going to try to do it, uh, you know, Bigfoot, stuff like that are going to try to do it. You never know. You just don't know who's going to try it. I mean, Bigfoot does have a new chassis that you need to break in. Maybe this is a nice way they want to try to break it in. Well, the problem is there, uh, break is the operational word. Um, I think that what's kept some people from doing it is two things, concern for your body and concern for your equipment. If you're a guy like Joe Sylvester where you only have one chassis to our knowledge uh, and you wreck that chassis and you better have a lot of money, a lot of fundage behind you or you're looking at a lot of damage and not a lot of payback. Uh, you know, when we, you know, I was discussing the, the record jump contest that we had in the mid-90s, there was a cash prize involved there. So you had guys going out there saying, well, you know what, if I break $10,000 worth of equipment doing the jump, and I make $25,000, that's going to cover my fuel, and I'm going to make money on this deal. So it was worth a shot. Uh, if you're just doing it to stage it for an attempt, you'd better be you'd better be charging a, a big fee, or you'd better be darn sure that you're not going to break anything. And usually what can go wrong will. So there are safety concerns for your body uh, should something go wrong, and then if something goes wrong, that turns into concerns for your truck as well. It's not easy. And it's something that is a high-risk situation, both monetarily, physically, and mentally. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, you brought up, you know, monetary backing. You know, Joe Sylvester pretty much pulled this off on a shoestring budget. And, uh, you know, hats off to those guys for even, you know, going out there and trying and attempting it. Uh, a lot of, like you said, a lot of guys have kind of steered away from it, didn't really want to go for it or whatever, on the simple fact that, you know, it's a calculated risk you're going into with trying to make a record jump like this. Because it does involve a lot of speed. It does involve a lot of distance traveled. And, you know, you're getting up there as far as height goes. You know, there's a lot of different variables to take into a factor there and stuff that can go wrong. But there is a huge difference now between 1999 and now it's 2011. We're looking at trucks that are landing a lot better. We've got a lot, we've got trucks with a lot better suspensions, a lot better axle housings and everything like that. These trucks are pretty stout. And I think, you know, the we're used to now seeing trucks, you know, flatland from 30 foot up in the air. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's become commonplace, but it's something that's not that rare anymore. Whereas maybe five or six years ago, a truck flat landing from 25, 30 feet, you know, we're looking at mangled chassis, blown out shocks, you know, destroyed housings, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think the trucks now are as capable as they're gonna, as they've ever been in order for going after a jump like this. You know, to where you can start looking at 200-foot jump distances as not being as monumental of a task as it would have been in 1999. I think with some of the suspension technology that we've got right now, 
these trucks are capable of taking some a lot more punishment. The one thing I think too that it could come from this is like if you're a you know let's say you're a team that's just starting out or a team that is uh, low budget and you're not you're not a with a big sponsor or something like that you know attempting something like this and actually getting it is beneficial for you you know you're you're all of a sudden now got that line of saying i have the lord's record for the longest jump you know that's going to attract sponsors it's going to help you market yourself that much better compared to the next person it's definitely a good point i mean for the longest time when uh randy moore the war wizard had world's fastest monster truck on the side of his hauler after he set his record recently broken by kirk nabney but you know that was a that was a calling card that was something that you could put on your website that was something you could put on your hauler that was something that you put out on the press releases that you send to people and uh it's something to get behind it's something for people to recognize you by and it's a risk though you know if if people are interested in it if you get in people interested in something like a backflip a long jump you know, uh, a slap wheelie record. We we had some interest in that in the past too. Uh, if somebody is known for that, then you can take them places. So there are a lot of factors to consider. It is, as Dustin said, a calculated risk. And uh, you know, we had heard that maybe maybe the Bigfoot people are going to try to get behind this and uh, you know re reclaim what was once there. So we'll see about that. Speaking of Bigfoot, uh, they have a brand new DVD coming out, and uh, since Ed is near the Bigfoot shop, we sent him out on location to check things out and give us a little review of it. So what do you think, Ed? If you have the money, if you have the $30 to get this DVD, I'd advise you to get it. It's a two-disc DVD, and it's got some awesome footage. It's uh, Bigfoot in Action 5, the Vault Edition, and uh, it's got some very rare footage. Uh, one of the things that caught my eye first was it actually has footage of the uh, of Bigfoot 4, and when Bob Chandler and crew went to this uh, to the salvage yard to pick up the tires, the uh, Tundra tires, for to make it obviously the tallest truck in the world. And uh, that's you know pretty rare to see. It's got some testing footage of them testing all the Bigfoots, which is uh, some pretty rare footage as they don't really show that a lot. Uh, also footage of some of the drivers being goofy and seeing their personalities, which is really awesome to see. Another feature they have on here, which I really, really thought was awesome, 2008, the Hall of Fame race from St. Louis, Missouri, that Dan Rente was at. They actually have Dan Rente and Kyle Doyle uh, commentate over this, over kind of the whole event, and Dan gives an insight of what he thought about coming back to St. Louis and racing here for the first time in, in many years. Uh, another thing is the Bigfoot's first rollover. They have footage of that, and they also have Jim Cramer and Bob Chandler talking about it, and they give great insight into that night, what happened, and stuff like that. So it, it's an awesome DVD. I want to thank everyone over at uh, Bigfoot. You guys did a great job, and uh, I hope you pick this DVD up because it is awesome. Well said, sir. Now we're looking at the final portion of this week's program. Wanted to just plug a couple of things and uh, let Dustin talk about his stuff and Ed talk about his stuff. Dustin's stuff is his brand new videos out. He was able to take some videos from the Virginia Beach event. I highly recommend them. All Monster Videos has them on favorite. And uh, Dustin Hart has his stuff on the YouTube channel, Dustin Hart AM. Dustin, tell us about a little bit about your little experiences in Virginia Beach uh, doing those videos. Well, any chance I get to uh, bust out the video camera for, you know, just a little bit, you know, just to have some fun with it. It's a little different from, uh, you know, my normal shooting. I'm usually working with a point and shoot, but uh, I always enjoy working with the videos. I uh, just kind of decided at the last second, hey, you know, I'm having trouble fighting with this lighting, so I'll just bust out the video camera and just went with it. Um, 
just a few uh, freestyle videos from the weekend that was in uh, Monsters on the Beach earlier in the month. Uh, got some really cool freestyle footage in from the Friday night show, as well as a couple of runs from Saturday night. So if you get a chance, go and check them out. Definitely. Good, good stuff there. High quality. So, speaking of high quality, we have Ed Horman as well. You were recently in Springfield, Missouri, and caught some great action shots there on the photography side of things. What about those, Ed? Yeah, it was my first time shoot Jamboree. And, uh, you know, I had to figure out different ways to shoot, um, you know, shoot the photos. I wanted to kind of make them unique and uh, got to do some uh, different things from, you know, being inside. And uh, it was an awesome event. And I thought I think my pictures turned out a lot better than I had hoped. Well said. Thank you guys for being on the show. Thank you for listening to AllMonster.com's Beyond the Lens. Next week we were going to have some results from Derby UK as well as a little bit of discussion on social media in the sport of Monster Truck Racing. So be sure and tune in next week. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week on AllMonster.com's Beyond the Lens. And that's it for this edition of the AllMonster.com Beyond the Lens. On behalf of everyone here at the show, please tune in next time, and thank you.